the 143rd QuackCast. This one is called More Dialogues. Quote, there is no alternative medicine. There is only scientifically proven evidence-based medicine supported by solid data or unproven medicine for which scientific evidence is lacking. JAMA. Quote, just because there are flaws in aircraft design doesn't mean flying carpets exist. Ben Goldacre. Wiser heads than I, Steve Novella, have commented on invitation to a dialogue, alternative therapies, in the New York Times. So I add my two cents. Partly because the New York Times wanted brief responses and I don't do brief. Partly because I write for me, and nothing focuses the mind quite like putting electrons to an LCD, except perhaps a hanging. Partly we do need a dialogue in medicine, just not of the kind suggested by the writer of the letter. And partly, life has been busy of late, so I need a topic that required little research. The letter started, quote, the Affordable Care Act will likely reinforce current practice, which dictates surgical and pharmacological interventions that can be expensive, inappropriate, burdened by side effects, and often ineffective. Yep, medicine has issues. And the solution? Using therapies based on fantasy and magic? I don't think so. Most alternative therapies cost money, they have no good indications, they have known side effects, and they are almost always effective beyond the wishful thinking of its practitioners. These are the defining characteristics of most of alternative medicine. But what of the alternative therapies? Even the NCCAM, given millions to study it, has no idea. One of the many ways the NCAM inspires confidence. But that gets to terminology. I am used to thinking about using a specific intervention for a specific problem. Cephalexin for cellulitis. Proponents of alternative medicine rarely specify a specific treatment for a specific disease, since so many of their interventions are recommended for damn near everything. Except, as I have noted before, birth control. There is no alternative birth control. Those who use it, we refer to as parents. To suggest we should have a dialogue about the use of alternative medicine without being specific, it's like suggesting we should discuss antibiotics, not only for the treatment of infections, but for all diseases in medicine. But they remain vague, an ill-defined target. Quote, 40 years ago, as a researcher at the National Institute of Mental Health, I began to study inexpensive self-care strategies, then called alternative therapies, that might address the underlying biologic and psychological imbalances that contribute to chronic conditions. These include nutrition, not an alternative therapy, exercise, not an alternative therapy, and mind-body techniques like meditation, guided mental imagery, and biofeedback, end of quote. It is so hard to discuss the utility of scams when the terms are so loose. Proponents include things that aren't alternative with things that all alternative and things that may not be. I tend to think of scams as coming in four varieties. One, total nonsense with zero prior plausibility. These are the scams based on ideas divorced from reality as I understand it that cannot have efficacy and do not have efficacy. It includes 
but is not limited to homeopathy, acupuncture, large swaths of chiropractic, Ayurveda, Reiki, other energy therapies, iridology, applied kinesiology, craniosacral therapy, water therapy, and on and on and on. Practitioners who inflict these modalities on others may very well be well-intentioned, but as we all know, the road to hell is paved with alternative care providers. On weekends, many of the younger demons go ice skating down it. All scams of this type are useless, non-reality-based magic. And I would think anyone who proposes this type of scam for the diagnosis and treatment of disease should be kept as far away from patients as is feasible. Type 2 are those scams that may or may not have efficacy. Those are mostly various herbs whose reasons for use are often historical or, more likely, related to aggressive marketing. The prior plausibility that a given herb will have an efficacy for a given disease is small, but not necessarily zero. And occasionally an herb or supplement, like red yeast rice, is discovered to have actual active ingredients and therefore effect. Type 3 are those scams where there's a little bit of efficacy in a test tube, or perhaps in a small, poorly done study that is blown all out of proportion for its real effect. These effects are perhaps real, often small, usually not clinically relevant. Green coffee beans springs to mind as a recent example. Thank you very much, Dr. Oz. And type 4 scams are those scams that aren't scams at all. For example, diet and exercise. Diet and exercise are often part of the marketing of scam, but there is nothing alternative or complementary about diet and exercise. Often interventions that are not scams are labeled as such in order to inflate popularity or used as a Trojan rabbit for more fantasy-based therapies. This is what the author is suggesting as alternative, diet, exercise, and relaxation techniques. Now, I practice in teaching hospitals, and to suggest that diet and exercise are alternative is laughable. Diet and exercise are major parts of the interventions used by and taught to our medical residents. Getting them implemented, especially in a clinic serving the underprivileged, is a real challenge. I have this shtick where there are four things in medicine that are 100% sensitive and specific. The first is infection always goes to the disc space, tumor always goes to the bone of the spine. The second is that anyone who uses the term strong, big gun, or powerful about an antibiotic is an idiot who knows nothing about the practice of infectious diseases. The third, the phrase, in my experience, always marks the speaker as not knowing what they're doing. The fourth is any physician who wears their scrubs outside the hospital is a dick and is probably ignoring the infection control policies of their institution. So I think I will add a fifth that is 100% sensitive and specific. Anyone who uses the terms diet and exercise as alternative is a shill for big alternative medicine and is using it for advertising, not information. The author does limit his definition of alternative to that which is not alternative, but I suspect that a physician who writes, quote, Homeopathic remedies are effective for common conditions such as asthma, arthritis, and allergies, end of quote, and recommends a book on homeopathy for his patient, probably lives in a different reality than I do. 
and has wider hopes for the application of pseudo-medicines than just diet and exercise. Quote, we spend about twice as much as many other industrialized nations on health care, often with inferior outcomes. Three quarters of that spending is on chronic conditions, including heart disease, diabetes, cancer, arthritis, depression, and chronic pain, exactly the ones for which self-care is best suited. Comprehensive programs that offer self-care in a supportive group are even more promising for the treatment and prevention. This approach is also effective for psychological trauma, end of quote. Absolutely. A comprehensive program that offers self-care in a supportive group. A fabulous idea. The problem, however, is not a lack of alternative therapies in healthcare, but a lack of organization and coherence in the application of reality-based medicine to patients. In my hospital system, we call them medical homes. It is difficult to, to apply the concept in a country where medical insurance and organization is fractured and foobar, but it can be done. So Dr. Gordon is half right when he finishes, quote, if we are going to reduce our ruinous costs and improve our declining national health, we must make self-care and group support central to all care, end of quote. Yes, but with reality-based medicine, not with fantasy-based interventions that define so much of alternative medicine. We do not need a dialogue on the need for scams in healthcare. That would be ignoring more fundamental issues in U.S. healthcare. There are two dialogues we need. One is on the structure of healthcare in the U.S. That ain't going to happen in my lifetime, as best I can tell. The other dialogue in medicine is about standards that we are going to use in deciding care for patient. What constitutes valid research and how it will be applied to patient care? Reality-based practice has important issues with inadequate or biased data, as the article How Evidence-Based Medicine is Failing Due to Biased Trials and Selective Publication nicely reviews. These problems are increased many-fold in the world of alternative medicine research. Is the standard going to be reality-based interventions with high-quality studies free from financial and other bias? I suspect not. For alternative medicine, the standard is badly designed, badly controlled, and in epley reviewed clinical trials with negative or equivocal results used to justify the use of interventions with no basis in known reality. The alternative medicine studies are haunted by poor methodology and a bias far more insidious and difficult to recognize than the bias that occurs from money. Quote, Conflicts of interest are very common in biomedical research, and typically they are inadequately and sparsely reported. Prejudice may not necessarily have financial roots. Scientists in a given field may be prejudiced purely because of their belief in a scientific theory or commitment to their own findings. Many otherwise seemingly independent university-based studies may be conducted for no other reason than to give physicians and researchers qualifications for promotion or tenure. Such non-financial conflicts may also lead to distorted reported results and interpretations. End of quote. Although it matters not a whit if quality studies show that a highly implausible therapy such as homeopathy or Reiki or acupuncture does nothing beyond placebo. There has, to the best of my knowledge, never, ever, never, ever been an alternative therapy that has changed or been abandoned as the result of a quality biomedical trial. 
Instead, those discredited interventions become part of the core curriculum at naturopathic, chiropractic, acupuncture, and other schools of pseudomedicine. And has there ever been a published study on alternative medicine whose goal is to improve patient safety and practice? Not that I can find. One would think acupuncture, with its puncturing of the skin, would be a low-hanging fruit for quality improvement. Guess no one has seen fit to improve the following. Quote, The current situation is that acupuncturists have understanding insufficiency in hospital infection management, lack the sterile concepts and consciousness of disinfection and isolation. Aseptic technique principles aren't strictly followed. Disinfection and isolation systems are unsound. Sanitary condition of the hand of the medical staff is unsatisfied. And there is shortness in traditional long filiform needle manipulation. End of quote. I think this was an awkward translation. Or the study of naturopaths. Quote, Concerning the hygiene control visits, a concept of hygiene was lacking in 79% of 109 practices, while in 49%, a concept of cleaning and disinfection was also missed. In 60% of practices, a dispenser for hand disinfection was lacking, end of quote. And that was in Germany. Somehow substituting or including the eternal and unchanging truths of alternative medicine with no ability or interest in quality improvement, change, or efficacy somehow does not seem to be in the patient's best interest. What has made medicine more effective and safer in my career is the ability for self-evaluation and subsequent change, a feature completely lacking in alternative medicine. There is no all-trials equivalent in the world of alternative medicine, much less a push for basic quality improvement like, oh, I don't know, proper hand hygiene. Judging from the continued expansion of magic into medical care, I suspect an interest in standards is lacking. The vast majority of docs don't care, as mentioned by yet another shruggy. Quote, if you get benefit from complementary therapies, who are we to argue? Those therapies might be able to meet your emotional and spiritual needs in a way that a blister pack of ibuprofen and 10 minutes of weary skepticism just can't manage, end of quote. There's a doctor who needs to find a different career. Integrative medicine programs will continue to grow with, quote, services available in Flemington by appointment include acupuncture, massage therapy, nutritional counseling, herbal medical consultations, and Reiki. All the above are also available at the Cleveland Clinic and in academic centers and community hospitals all across the country. Those with the cash will get their alternative therapies, whether it is effective or even ethical to provide. It is a good thing I learned long ago that it is the journey, not the destination, that is important. I suspect that science-based medicine is a lost cause. Every day I see huge gaps and barriers to providing effective and quality care due to a deeply flawed healthcare system. People pay with their lives, their health, and their financial well-being due to a lack of access of affordable science-based medicine, not due to a lack of access to alternative medicines, however it may be defined. And that is the dialogue that is lacking. And that ends the 143rd QuackCast. References are available over at sciencebasedmedicine.org. Also, check out the Society for Science-Based Medicine if you're interested.
And you can find links to my growing multimedia empire over at edgydoc.com. Otherwise, see you next time. Bye.